Lonnie, you okay? I feel weird. I know. I do too. I mean, I only came here to talk to you so I could tell you that my audacity files have been cursed and I can't talk to you. And I know there's a fly in that logic ointment somewhere, but the next thing I knew, we were being attacked by this mutant ninja internet thing, and then our audio tracks were on top of each other, and it's just really confusing being around your voice. No. I meant I feel weird from this wine I'm drinking. Does wine go bad? Is that a thing? Oh, okay. Let's just rewind Kelly's little outburst and pretend it never happened. Sounds like a plan. I've got an old vase around here that I can give the oracles. They love that chintzy shit. Welcome to Still Dead. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm researcher and Southern Fried Scholar, Dr. Kelly Jones. And we are here today to talk about Angel, Season 1, Episode 8, I Will Remember You. This is the crossover companion episode to Buffy's Season 4 episode, Pangs. And this episode will leave you devastated and completely unable to deal with life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's raise the stakes. (laughs) In I Will Remember You, Buffy visits L.A. to confront Angel about following her and protecting her in Sunnydale, but not telling her that he was there. As Buffy's leaving Angel's office, a Mora demon, hunter of heroes, crashes through the window to attack her and Angel. After serious sexual tension between Buffy and Angel and another battle with the ruby-encrusted demon, some of the demon's regenerative blood mixes with Angel's blood, making him human again. Angel seeks out the oracles for answers, and they release him from his duty as a hero. Angel and Buffy spend a perfect sort of day in bed, Angel's hearts beating as they devour ice cream and each other, but when the demon regenerates itself and lives to fight another day, Angel realizes that he can't protect Buffy or anyone else as a human. He returns to the oracles and trades his newfound human self for his former vampire self and adds the memories of the day to the burdens he carries. The oracles swallow the day, time is reset to 24 hours before, Angel kills the demon, and Buffy never knows that she and Angel share that lovely time together. No one remembers the day but Angel, and he, along with the rest of us watching, are left well and truly destroyed. Again. All right, I Will Remember You aired on November 23rd, 1999. It was directed by David Grossman and written by showrunners Joss Whedon and David Greenwald, who lived to destroy us, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thing. Yeah. That's All right. right. Oh, my God. So this episode, Kelly, this episode. Oh, my God. Like, I literally had to try this three times. Oh, my God. To be able to take notes. Because... It just kills me. And I think the ultimate lesson to learn from this is never, ever fall in love in the Whedonverse. Yeah. No, seriously. (laughs) Like, never. It is an absolute (laughs) express train to pain. It absolutely is. (laughs) All right. So as we talk about this episode, which is one of the very few episodes that we are going to be doing where we do an entire episode of Still Dead to one episode of Angel, I will remember you. 
What are your moments of perfect happiness? What do you got here? Oh, God, there's so many. Mm -hmm. So we open with Angel winding a clock, and then we close with that same clock broken on the floor. Because symbolism, y'all. Yeah. But it got me thinking that time may be both the truest evidence and the truest enemy of love. Because in the end, what more precious thing do we have to give those we love but time? Oh, my God. Okay, well, now I have to sit here and unpack what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they were a little heavy handed with the symbolism of time in this. It was fantastic. And I loved I loved that we open with that clock. And then he smashes that clock when he, Mm -hmm. you know, destroys the demon at the end. He gives the oracles his watch. You know, there's all this stuff about time, but time may be both the truest evidence and the truest enemy of love. Damn, Jones. (laughs) damn jones (laughs) this episode brings out all my sentimental romantic silliness i just can't help it (laughs) no it's so that's such a fantastic and deep and and sad thought but yeah i mean time eventually does destroy even if you have a love that lasts your whole life eventually one of you is going to kick it you know and there you go (laughs) like love Love never ends well, is what I'm saying. <laughs> not in the best, not in the Wiedenberg. No. Right. right. I mean, you know, the best you can hope for is that you have like a long term thing that lasts and you're happy for a long time. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. But when it does, there's eventually an ending and it is so incredibly sad. So, so yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I came up with notes like, friend of yours, we should go kill it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have those kind of notes, too. My moments of perfect (laughs) happiness. (laughs) Yes. So we got to have the snark, right? Right. Because this episode is hard enough just to breathe through. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) you got to have some snark you gotta have some fun yeah i like that that in the beginning you know they are they're working together as a team like that you know which i think is really Mm -hmm. nice and there's this moment of course where she says you know you bailed me out last night i'd like us to be even and he goes we're keeping score now and there's something first of all like so heartbreaking about angel saying that to her you know we're keeping score now because keeping score is of course such a petty thing to do and one thing that buffy and angel have never been is petty you know right um so that was a really nice moment but also it was just like it's so blatantly just an excuse to spend more time with him that she's grabbing on to you know so it's it's both like heartbreaking and sweet and you're looking at angel and you're like duh you know (laughs) she just (laughs) wants to see you you know oh it's her reluctance to leave was palpable i I mean i know every time they said goodbye it was just oh god i know and then they're down in the sewer and she says i was really jonesing for another heartbreaking sewer talk and i thought (laughs) when a heartbreaking talk in the sewers becomes a thing that you joke about because it happens so often yeah like maybe it it is time to break up yeah that it has a name (laughs) might be time to reevaluate your relationship exactly exactly so what else did you love about this well i think most of my favorite snark came from cordelia oh yeah like at the very beginning yeah an angel has just gotten back from sunnydale and you know he's he's not 
behaving the way that Cordelia expected him to behave. Yeah. And she's kind of spying on him in the office. And Mm -hmm. she said, where's the crabby scowl? The morbid gloom. This just means it cut deeper than usual. Batten down the hatches. Here comes Hurricane Buffy. (laughs) Just like... And I love how Cordelia is with Buffy. Like, you know, they fought together. They went through the whole thing. They bonded during the homecoming thing. Like, all this Mm -hmm. stuff. But Cordelia still just freaking hates Buffy. I know. It's so funny. She's just kind of like, you're in my town now. And bye. Oh, my God. It's, It's really, it's really funny. I know. I know. And I love the moment, too, after Angel gets his humanity comes back. Right. And Cordy's like, you walked in from the street. <gasps> you cut an umbrella. And I was like, yes, my parasol <laughs> yes. idea. My parasol yes. idea is a good one. It's solid. Get That's that right. boy a parasol. It can be black. You know, it can be gloomy. Can be That's fine. You know, It can be gloomy. Exactly. He can get a gloomy parasol. Gloomy. <laughs> Demon blood all over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a beautiful picture you're painting. <laughs> right. <laughs> What I'm saying is he can make it to his own style, but walking around with a jaunty parasol, I think, would do something for Angel. Aside from keeping him from bursting into flames when he's constantly outside, (laughs) which is another thing. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we get to the stuff we stake. Well, um, and some of the snark from Buffy, I appreciate it a lot, too. Like when that demon, you know, jumped through the window, which, I mean, I guess he was polite in that. It was technically office hours. Sure. Right. But <laughs> at least he like, waited think, until they opened like, in the morning, right? Right. Like, there's a window. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to hurl my body through it. That yeah. That is my plan. Yeah. Like, with this sword, because what could possibly go wrong? Okay. But, um, like, okay. No, I guess they are on the ground level. But he's he his apartment is in the basement, so that's down below. Yeah. But they're on the ground level with that. Because I was like, wait, how did he jump up a right? floors <laughs> no, to like, get through the window? Huh. Well, he might okay. have come down from the ceiling. He could be. He could have those Batman jeans that, that vampires have, that, that <laughs> Angel has. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, well, but then when Angel wounds him and he, you know, he runs away, Buffy's like, it was rude. Yeah. We should go kill it. Go and I'm like... Hey, that's how I teach manners in my house, too. That's right. That's like, right. <laughs> One of your boys, teenage boyfriends says something rude. You just kill him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was pretty funny. But the um, there's this moment when, bef- right before the demon attacks, yeah. and they're both, you know, sort of talking around things without... <laughs> talking about things Mm -hmm. and Buffy's like given enough time we should be able to and Angel says forget and I love at the end when we see that that's actually an echo yeah you know that he knows now what has happened and she doesn't and oh my god but like there's no way in hell those two would ever forget each other and they are kidding themselves if they think otherwise yeah that some part of her is always gonna have that experience like she's gonna know that this happened and you know i mean it's just it's so incredibly powerful and i do love those echoes that we have you know Mm -hmm. we have the clock in the beginning and the clock at the end we have the you know eventually we'll forget which the first time you see this episode isn't devastating but after you've seen it more than once and she says we'll just forget like even in the beginning when she says that and then you think about the end i will never forget i will never forget i will never forget i mean oh oh my god 
Oh, God. It is so well, devastating. And the first time, and I say this, having just watched the damn episode three times in a row, because <laughs> I, Jesus, I watched it once I just, and that was all I could take. I couldn't. I was like, I can't process thoughts and right. take notes. And, mm-hmm. and oh, my God, 10 minutes has gone by and I'm crying and I forgot to write anything down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But the first time Angel said, forget, I was yeah. like, a psh. Whatever, dude. I mean, <laughs> and then the second time he said it, I was like, oh, God, every cell in my heart just crumbled oh. and died and cracked and is bleeding on the floor. And holy God, Joss Whedon, what did I ever do to you, man? I know. Like, it's just... devastating. Like this oh. episode, there are a few things throughout the run of Buffy and Angel that will kill me. You know, that just like mm-hmm. I will watch and it will always, always make me just weep, you know. But this yep. is one of the most powerful episodes for like so many different reasons. There's so oh, yeah. much packed into this episode. And they do this this wonderful like reflection back and forth where you have one thing, but in, in the different context, it means different things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea about time and time being such a theme throughout the whole thing. It's just, it's so incredibly powerful. And I think part of it too is that at this point in the run of Angel, you know, I mean, let's be fair, expectations are not high. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we had a little fun with Spike. You know, it was fun watching Cordelia get her room, you know, get her apartment and her roommate. You know, I mean, there, there have been some fun moments, there have been some good moments, definitely. But we're not expecting, I think, something this powerfully written at this point. And no. part of that, part of that just surprise of it mm-hmm. at this point in this in the story it's so incredibly powerful and it's so devastating um and yeah. also like you know if you've had that that whole experience of Buffy and Angel from the beginning you know i mean you're so invested in this relationship but even if even if i was one of like the maybe two people who just happened <laughs> to start watching Angel without ever knowing anything about Buffy like i think that even if you don't have that history even if you weren't there for all of it watching this episode you know fresh like it would just i think it would still be just as powerful oh i think so too absolutely and and I do really love some of the humor that we get mixed in with that because the the humor is really good too. Yeah. Um. And when Angel comes back to the office as a human, mm-hmm. and he sees his reflection in the window, <gasps> and that oh. it's like this innocent childlike joy on his face, and I'm just want to buy him all the mirrors. Like it's just ridiculous. That wonder. Yeah. You yeah. know, because he's looking at his reflection in the glass and he just hasn't seen it in so long. Mm-hmm. And to see himself reflected back at himself, I think is really interesting because one of my favorite things about this episode is what it says about who Angel is. You right. know, is what it says about him and the choices that he makes and, and the idea of, of he can have everything he wants, but he pays for it with his purpose. And his oh, purpose absolutely. is who he is. It's his identity. He is a warrior. This is what he does. And he can't, you know, I mean, this is the thing about star-crossed lovers, right? You can't uncross the stars. Like, there is no way for them to be together because he can't be human and still be himself if he becomes human he loses and it's not to say that like there's no value to him as a person 
you know, if he's not a superhero. And I don't think that Buffy feels that way. But I think that for him, it is so tied in, this sense of purpose. It is so tied Mm -hmm. into who he is that he can't exist without that. That is who he is. And if you take that away from him, you know, he can't be what he needs to be. I mean, in the end, his, his choice all comes down to being about Buffy, right? He's going to save Buffy. This is about, you know, if I, if I don't, you know, go back in time and kill this demon right from the beginning, then he's going to become so powerful or create all these other demons. I don't know exactly what that was about, but that, you know, that Buffy's going to die, not just Buffy, but a lot of people are going to die, you know? And so it's not just about saving Buffy, you know, because she can fight and she can, you know, she's handled a number of apocalypses by now. I believe she's getting the gold watch that comes with the achievement or whatever, but, but um, but I mean, like, you know, it's it's the, the fact that because of him being human, he can't save people. He can't fight. He can't be this warrior that he is destined to be. And I think that in this universe, you know, with Angel, um, everything means something. You know, we have that moment where he says, you know, I, I, I know this this explains what happened to me, but it doesn't explain why. Yes. You know, that he has to get to the meaning of it. He has to understand why this happened to him. And then given the grand scheme of things, given the way things turn around, you know, and the way it turns out in the end, what is the why? You know? Well, I haven't been thinking about that at all. All right. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that in the in Yeah. The, we'll in co- the I mean, I was teasing because in the that's exactly how my brain works, too. Right. But <laughs> I think, yeah. like... One of the things that this kind of triggered for me, mm-hmm. and I can't articulate it as clearly as I want to yet, but this idea of reflection and choice and mm-hmm. time and the mirror, like when Angel sees his reflection, we see Angel. Yeah. But I wonder, does he see Angel or does he see Angelus? Oh, <gasps> that's interesting. That didn't even occur to me. Right? Because it we get this, like, this constant reflection of opposites. And so there's even an example of that um, in this episode. So after the visit with the oracles, which we'll come back to, mm-hmm. and they tell him, you know, you've been released from your fealty, you're human now. And Doyle says to Angel, so the question is, what do you want? Yeah. And for... Big, strong, yes, listeners, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert is haunting me always with this question. Always. What what do do you want? want? What do you want? And in Angel's case, it's clear what he wants because we cut from his face to Buffy on the pier. Mm -hmm. And then we get that kiss and the sunlight and the soaring music and then another shot of the clock. Yeah. But that is Angel in a moment of happiness right that's angel embracing his human self yes but a few episodes ago when angel was being tortured for the ring Mm -hmm. the gem of amara and the you know the that sadistic torture kept asking him what do you want what do you want what do you want the the answer there was atone uh, was to be forgiven right it was forgiveness right right his his answer there was forgiveness Mm -hmm. and i don't think that he believes he can have both of those things. Mm -hmm. So that need for forgiveness is on one side of that mirror or that reflection and his desire for Buffy is on the other. That's really interesting because the thing is that like, he, he always says, you know, he, well, he always says, he said in that one thing, I want forgiveness. Right. Mm -hmm. But he knows 
that that's not on the table. Like forgiveness and redemption are not on the table for him. There is no point at which he's going to say, I've fought enough. I've done enough. You know, I've, I've evened the scale. There's no point at which he can say that. And he knows that. I mean, this is essential to who he is. You know, but he I, doesn't I think, fight for reward. Yeah. He fights because it is who he is. It is what he is. It is, it is what he's meant to do. And the clearest thing, the clearest thing the angel knows about himself is his purpose. And so right. when he loses his purpose, when he can no longer fight, when he becomes regular, ordinary, everyday human, right? He loses himself. He is no longer himself. So no matter what, he can't be with Buffy. Right. And it, it was interesting to me that the oracles were the ones who, you know, gave him the choice to have his humanity and they gave him the choice to take it back. But I can't help but wonder if they're also the ones who put the idea of atonement being a possibility in his mind. Mm -hmm. Because they asked him, have you saved humanity? Have you averted the apocalypse? And I think Angel being the deep thinker that he is, you know, he is always looking for meaning. He is always looking for purpose. And now to have this sense that that kind of darkness is coming mm -hmm. and it may be on him that atonement and forgiveness may actually be on the other side of that. Yeah. You know, in a way that he possibly had not thought about before. Um, because I know, like, I wanted to take all my deep thoughts down to the gate of lost souls under the post office. Sure. <laughs> hey, y'all, what's up? <laughs> Just sit down and have a chat with them. <laughs> the gate <laughs> of lost souls under the post office. <laughs> you know, and she'd be batting her eyelashes at me saying, what did you bring me? And I'd be like, whiskey, baby. What whiskey, baby. We're going to sit down we'll and talk. <laughs> we'll sit down and talk. Stay a spell, you know? I It'll love be great. It. <laughs> I love it. But but even with all of that, like when Angel comes back human and he's kind of going through that realization, like yeah. not the seven steps of grief, but like the seven steps of holy crap, I'm alive again. <laughs> the seven steps and of he chocolate. Just, no, it's yeah, he jacks the fridge and it's like chocolate. I love chocolate. I forgot and about food. <laughs> I got I got so tickled. Thinking about how each new doctor on Doctor Who, when he regenerates or he or she regenerates, yeah. like they try out all the food. Right, fish like, fingers to see, and custard, Okay, well, right? this body doesn't like pudding, but the last body did. <laughs> and, like, I just got so tickled I thinking it was about so Angel. Great. And I love seeing that enthusiasm. Like we do this a lot with Angel, and it's really fun where we break him from the brood for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Like whenever, you know, when he's playing a character, when he's like, when he's, you know, doing the sensitivity trait, like whatever it is. And we get to see, first of all, something else for David Boreanaz to do because he is a gifted actor he's really yeah. good he pulls off he amazing is. stuff and he has incredible range which is great because if you're you know working across sarah michelle geller you better be yeah. able to bring it you know um so i mean <laughs> that's fantastic but um but i mean i love these opportunities to kind of see like when you see that enthusiastic giggly side of angel it's incredibly mm -hmm. fun and i loved seeing him like diving into the um oh, into yeah. the, the fridge and pulling everything and he's like i don't like the yogurt and then he had like this little bit of yogurt on his nose. I don't know if you noticed that. No, and I they didn't. didn't wipe it off for the rest of the scene. So he's going from oh. this this silliness into this, you know, like more serious space, right? 
And he's still got that little bit of yogurt on his nose. And I thought that was a great choice to not wipe it oh. off. I thought that was fantastic. I loved that detail. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. And yeah. it's funny, like hearing you talk about enthusiastic angel, because mm-hmm. I swear that's probably one of the reasons that I like Angela so damn much. Yes. Because, I mean, he's evil. He's evil. Damn, but he's, he he's enjoys it. Enthusiastic. You know? Yeah. Yes. He's excited. Yes. He's having a good Very time. Very enthusiastic. A good time doing terrible things, but he's having a good time. And that is really fun to see. So I always yeah. like it. I always like it when we get a little bit of Angelus. I mean, I know it's, you know, very dangerous and bad and people die, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but it's I mean, fun. There's a lot to be said about enthusiasm. <laughs> a little, a little joie de vivre, right? You know, I mean, yeah. have a good time, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. I also really like, too, this moment where he gets his humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And how we mirrored the way that that the like the shot construction him falling to his knees the way when he lost his soul after having sex with Buffy um, in season two of Buffy so um, I thought that that was kind of like a nice and uh, again this whole episode it is all reflections it is reflections Mm -hmm. from here to things that happen in Buffy it's reflections from beginning of this episode to the middle of this episode to the end of this episode where we have things in different contexts every time Um, it is it really incredibly beautiful it's the reflection of Angel looking at himself and Mm -hmm. figuring out who he is, staring at himself in the glass and just making that connection, you know? And when Doyle says, what is it that you want? He's looking at himself in the glass. And then that's the moment, you know, he just goes for what he wants for the first time in like forever, just goes and (laughs) finds Buffy because that is the only thing he can think about, but he's traded his purpose. And so as we go through this episode, you know, we have that wonderful time in bed, you know, with Buffy and Angel just having a good time, eating all the ice cream, you know, enjoying the food, enjoying each other, you know, and, uh, and it really is, um, it really is kind of beautiful. But I guess, you know, I mean, this to me, I think would be like the most perfect happiness that he could have. So obviously when he's human, the curse is lifted. He gets to oh, keep yeah. his soul I no think matter that, what. That, a human that without his soul would just be another asshole. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he's good. <laughs> but but it's funny too to hear you kind of talk about reflection because I think like most people in the audience are at least me, or, you know, full emotion dialed up to 11. Like, we know heartbreak's coming, but we still love seeing these two together, and there's all that passion and all that stuff twisted up. And then we have Cordelia, (laughs) who's just, like, completely weary of the whole thing, making a plan B in case Angelus comes back. Yeah, Already she's, sick she's of the Buffy. Greek chorus here. She's like, let yeah, me explain the exactly. lore. Right? That's right. When she says, let me explain the lore here, they suffer, they fight. That's business as usual. She's like, they've got the forbidden love of all time. Like, yeah. Like, and they're down there talking about waiting. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's no. going to happen. She's, she's absolutely right. She's the one who knows exactly what's going on. That's right. And I just, I just really love that. And I like seeing Doyle, like he's rooting for Angel and Buffy. Mm -hmm. But then when it's time for Angel to go fight that demon, um, when he's human, you know, Doyle's like, uh, okay, man, maybe this isn't the best plan. Right. Like he's enough of a realist, but one of my favorite moments comes from right before they leave Mm -hmm. and Buffy's asleep and Doyle says, don't you want to wake the girl? Yeah. And Angel says, not for the world. Oh, God. And, oh, 
God. God. It's I mean, so awful. <laughs> and the thing is, Doyle's like, dude, you're human. <laughs> yeah, you're not like, going to be able to do anything. But Angel is is rushing into the fight because it's who he is. Right. You know, and he needs to be able to do that. And I think that that is, I mean, it is such an incredibly powerful episode. And so strange, you know, given the run that we've had from the beginning in the first season of Angel. You know, it's yeah. so strange to have this here because it is it is almost perfectly constructed. You know, it the really way that is. it's put together. It's just so incredibly beautiful. And also, yeah. like, for me in general... I love a bizarro world episode. I love mm -hmm. a, a world where everything is suddenly completely different. We get to see everybody in a new context. This happens a lot over in Buffy. We have episodes like The Wish, episodes like The Zeppo, um, episodes like mm -hmm. The Replacement in season five. Um, we get these bizarro worlds where everything is different. And then we reset at the end. Uh, at the, the end right. of a bizarro world is always reset, you know, yeah. back into... Doppelgangland. Back, <laughs> doppelgangland, absolutely. Like, it always resets back to whatever the original mm -hmm. status quo is but we do have this extra context and sometimes we remember it you know and sometimes we don't but uh but this is you know one of those bizarro worlds where only one person can remember it one person and the millions of devastated people who are watching watching it right <laughs> and and even though it just destroyed my heart i mean just it was ridiculous but when the or when angel goes back to the oracles and asks them to you know restore his vampire self mm -hmm. the oracles offer to swallow the day yeah and i love that phrase yeah. i just there's something about it and um the woman oracle tells him you alone will carry the memory of this day can you carry that burden oh, and that is where i start crying right every single time <laughs> every time Every single time. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that is an incredible burden, you know, because she won't remember it. But right. he will always know, you know, and I mean, he will always know what he gave up. Right. And I think that that is an incredibly, an incredibly powerful thing. And I mean, you know, as I've always said, we tell who people are by the choices that they make. You know, it's it's right. not what they say. It's what they do. It's the choices that they make. And it's the choices that you make in life that end up defining you as a person. Who are you? You know, and um, when he makes this choice, you know, this choice to carry this burden to save not just her, but all of the people that he would save and also to mm -hmm. get his purpose back, you know, to be right. himself because he can't be with her if he's not him. You know, and he can't be him if he's not a vampire, if he's not a vampire with a soul, if he doesn't have this, this fight, you know, to go out and do this is what he's supposed to do. So, um, so I think that that's just so incredibly powerful. It's such a strong episode. It's so well written. And oh, my God, they bring back close your eyes. Which oh. kills me every time. Oh. For those of you unfamiliar, Close Your Eyes is the Buffy and Angel theme that we got that in song. season two oh, when God. he gets his soul back and she stabs him through the heart and sends heart. him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing and Close Your Eyes. That song, I, I was like, so <laughs> I, I did crack myself up with this, though. Yeah. Because when I tell you that, like, I kept breaking down crying watching this, yeah. I am not kidding. <laughs> But I went back and watched like the last 15 minutes today just to, 
like get ready for this. Yeah. And and then I'm like walking through the house and I'm in the kitchen and I am like humming that music. Oh. Fully embodying like every Disney princess who has ever lived. Oh my god. And I'm like, wait, wait, this With is close this your is eyes. A sad fucking song. Like, what am I doing to myself? I'm like, this oh is my awful. God. I mean, it's a it, sad song, like just the the <sighs> you know, the, it's a mournful song. But once yes. it has context between um, oh. between becoming oh. at the end of season two and I will remember you between those, yeah. oh my oh. god, close your oh, eyes god. is devastating. It is the most devastating yeah. piece of music. Yeah, I think yeah. it's basically you know heartbreak set to yeah. rhythm. Yeah, it's just no, oh. it is. But it's it's, it's so a melody beautiful. delivering a heartache. It is so yes. incredibly devastating. Um, it is. But yeah, but I mean that's just it's so incredibly good. Um, I there's so much. I don't know. Did we hit all of our favorite parts on this episode? I think, yeah, like I think I'm just. <laughs> but it's, it's here's what keeps cracking me up. Yeah. So if you said, "Hey, Kelly." <laughs> There's a show, okay, and it is going to take all of your feelings and rip them from inside of you <laughs> and turn them inside out and leave you curled on the floor sobbing. Oh. Want to watch it? <laughs> like, I'm not the girl who says yes. Like, I'm fine with some angst. I'm right. fine with some danger. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with some hard choices. But, you know... I kind of want a happy ending, like not necessarily a sappy happy ending, but right. some kind of happy ending. Mm -hmm. And this is not that show. Right. And yet, it's like my favorite show. It like, is. Uh, so I'm going, maybe my story heart just loves heartbreaking anguish devastation. No. And yeah. I, you know we do i mean I, that's what <laughs> fiction is fiction god the whole purpose of fiction is to help you process things and to, to have experiences you know i mean like here we are we're watching moving light and sound and it's making us weep like all day yeah. you know yeah. i mean that is the power of fiction is that it by experiencing you know, the trauma and the, the heartbreak for these characters, we're processing our own. That's how we process it, because some things are just too powerful and too painful for you to process, you know, without that, like you need additional things. And so having these devastating things happen and building them up so they can be the most devastating, which is one of oh, Joss yeah. Whedon's absolute specialties, right? Oh, um, absolutely. It, it is a catharsis. It does help you do that. So even though that I know you would stake how heartbreaking this is. Oh, God, yes. I think secretly it's your favorite thing because you've watched this like three times. I watched it I once and I was like, you know what? Like, Capped out, done. That's it. I'm not going to watch oh, this again God. for a while. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I I don't know quite what to make of this realization and I'm not sure I like it. But if yeah. I make a list of my favorite episodes, mm -hmm. they're the ones that leave me curled up on the floor sobbing. Yeah. No, they do. <laughs> so and I mean, the thing, I, well, like, partially because if they weren't, well told if they weren't stories well told they wouldn't be able to do that they wouldn't have that effect you know right. um so i That's mean part true. of the reason why you love them is because they're just that good but i mean part of them being that good means they're incredibly effective at kicking your ass 
Oh God, yes. <laughs> and and so maybe it's just that time of reflection of thinking of all the lovers that I've had to stab through the chest with a sword to save the universe. Right. That I'm- <laughs> Metaphorically, of course, right? We're not confessing right? I mean, anything here, right? It's just not me, right? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I really had to work at at thinking of things to stake because I I love this episode. I mean, it's it's tragic and like I could handle the heartache if there was a chance of Buffy and Angel ever finding a happy ending. But we all know they can't. There's no way in hell. They're star crossed. You cannot Ugh. uncross the stars. If you I, do, everything that they are. Part of what makes Buffy and Angel so great is they're constant reaching toward each other. They're constant yeah. stretching toward each other. They just want to be together. But if they can be together, they're not themselves. <laughs> like their their essence, who they are at their essence, means they can't can't be together which is part of what all this yearning you know is it's that it's that yearning and that desire and again you know it's one of those things that that we work out in fiction we have these human experiences and the yearning and the desire is kind of fun part of the fun of Buffy and Angel is the wanting to be together you know and then when they get together it's just like that's you kind of lose what makes them Buffy and Angel yeah (laughs) it sounds kind of shitty but it's sort of the way it is Maybe that longing and desire fuels them mm-hmm. to fight the way they do. And yeah. I, I don't mean with each other. I mean, like, against the forces of evil. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe if they got together and everything was calm and happy, then six months from now, they're just going to be in the living room fighting over who's watching what on Netflix. Yeah. And <laughs> we don't want to see Buffy <laughs> like... and Angel reduced to that. Right? <laughs> That's terrible. And the answer is always Queer Eye. So... <laughs> <laughs> But but maybe it has something to do with that edge, yeah. you know, that they work on the edge, they live on the edge, there's an edge to their relationship, and, and it keeps them sharp, and in their line of work, that's really important. Right. You know, right. but... Yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting question of, like, could... Is there any universe in which Buffy and Angel could be together? And I just don't think that there is. I think that the, it, the very heart and core of their relationship is this force between them that keeps them apart. You yeah. know? Well, yeah. I'm still at, I'm still resisting. I don't like the idea of star-crossed lovers. I just don't yeah. like it. Stars are pretty. They're not supposed to work that way. I don't like it. But All right. So you can stake that idea then. You can yeah, stake, stake it right that. through the heart and believe that Buffy and Angel can be together. I'm not sure that they can. <laughs> I'm not sure that they can. Oh, I'm sure they can't because this is the Whedonverse. But, you know, a girl can dream. A girl can dream. Absolutely. Can dream. All right. So what else would you stake from this episode? So I would stake... The attitude of the oracles. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the woman seems a little more kind than the man, Mm -hmm. even though she likes her trinkets. Yeah. You know, bring me a gift, lowly human. And I mean, the two of them are beautiful and powerful, but they're kind of cold and they're condescending. And they seem to be more on the side of balancing the scales than the actual side of like capital G good. Right. Um. Right, they seem at best neutral, right? (laughs) Yes, I think so. But I desperately want to go roller skating wearing their glow-in-the-dark blue body paint. Oh, yeah. Because that would be amazing. That's great. Well, I I don't like the oracles for a couple of reasons. Um, And one of them is that if you have 
access to people who, for a trinket, will reverse time for you. Although, you know, granted, <laughs> it, it was more complicated for reversing time. For a trinket, they gave him, like, all the answers he needed, you know. Right. Then... I, I think that it what it does is again it, it like it puts the power the power play in Angel is is problematic it it's weird and it's undulating and it, it doesn't really make sense and we have these powers that be that are you know kind of like sending messages about who to save but they're also not sending messages about all the other people that are just apparently going to die because they're not worthy or whatever and that seems kind of evil unless they've got a whole bunch of these franchises all over town where we've got a guy <laughs> with a vision and a guy with a you know with an eternal purpose of, you know, of, of saving people or whatever. Um, so that whole question is just weird. The powers that be is weird. The oracles as access to that kind of cosmic power is weird. Um, and it kind of puts everything <laughs> out of balance. It's just kind of, okay. it's kind of strange. Not to mention no. the fact that they just remind me of Clinton and Stacy from What Not to Wear. <laughs> And that throws me off every time I see them. Okay. And I'm not sure why. I'm expecting them to just be standing in front of like a, you know, a three-angled mirror with Angel being like, all right, you got the leather. That's good. That's <laughs> but we got to do something about that. You got to get a little pop of color, the black t-shirt under the black leather. That's not working for you. <laughs> right? You know, I don't know why. I just keep, I keep seeing them. So there's a lot of things about the oracles that just don't work for me. But you're right. Right. The, the body paint is pretty awesome. Oh, it's awesome. But when you said phenomenal cosmic power, I just got so tickled thinking about the genie from Aladdin. Oh, sure. Like, phenomenal Yay, cosmic power. Living space. <laughs> living space. And so now I'm like, somebody's going to bring them a lamp yeah. as a gift. Yeah. And they're going to end up stuck in there under the post office. Under the I am going to find office. it hilarious. You know what? And adding insult to injury. Under the post office of all places. I mean, come right? on. I mean, right? this is Los Angeles. They couldn't Talk have been under Roman messages theater. never going where they're supposed <laughs> right. to go, right? Like, <laughs> no wonder these people are cranky. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But I was just thinking, like, what would I do? Yeah. If I could just stop by and be like, all right, deep conversation time. I got yeah. some questions. Like, <laughs> right. I could do that all day. <laughs> and all you got to do is bring them a trinket. And they don't even care right. what. It doesn't have to be quality. Just go to five below and grab a whole bunch of things. <laughs> They'll be like, Pop Rocks, this is awesome, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love you so much. Pop Rocks. <laughs> so what else do you want to stake? From this episode. Well, a couple of things. For one, get groiny is a phrase no one should ever use. So I think we can just cut that out. That's not good. Yes. Um, and then we had a couple of irony smashes. And again, like they're not bad in and of themselves, but they're just, we get, we love them so much. Whedon loves them so <laughs> much and they use them all the time. Like the, I'm sure they're just down there having tea and crackers. And then of course they're down there having tea and crackers. Doyle says, I'm happy to say goodbye to the bone crushing, head wrenching, mind numbing visions. Boom, vision. So I mean, in this universe, you have to start noticing this and just never say something that you don't want to immediately turn around and happen. You know? Right. <laughs> well, I actually did write Irony Smash in my notes for those two beats. Yes. And I was like, oh, I have learned a thing. <laughs> and I'm like, if I could play with an Irony Smash, what would I do? I'd stand in the office on, or no, I would go down to his apartment to the, the magical linoleum wishing square. Yes, right. And I would be like, 
Oh, gee, I sure hope Spike doesn't show up right this minute. Exactly. <laughs> Ernie Smash, baby. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I would do that every day. Every day. <laughs> I'm all for it. Just to make that happen. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And that's also like, this is a, a minor thing, but like, okay, so it's daytime. They're in Angel's office. The windows have no covering on them whatsoever. I mean, you know, there's this whole thing like direct sunlight versus indirect sunlight. And, you know, fine. But then this yeah. thing comes smashing through the window, right? And Angel is is fighting with it in front of the window. And you would think he'd at least start to smoke a little bit. Like, <laughs> it just can't. I don't know. Like, it's just it Get a little singed. Weird. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Now that you say that, and I have no idea why this just connected in my brain. Mm-hmm. But when Buffy's out at the pier and Angel comes walking out in the daylight and he's just like strolling up to kiss her. Yeah. She doesn't pause and say, Angel, baby, what are you doing out here? Right. Or she doesn't (laughs) like the moment he's about to step out of the shadows go, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, there's none of that, which I would be like, no, you know. know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just just thought, wonder what she thinks going on right there. Well, she's so shocked. And I also, too, I think that in, you know, in her world, like, you know, Angel was was um, suicidal once, like in amends. And you can tell when Angel's bummed out. He didn't look bummed out. So I guess she just trusted that if he was going to walk out into the light, you know, there'd be a reason. But of course, now this is the second time Angel has actually been in the sunlight over the course of a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be something that we're doing quite a bit, you know, but yeah. I mean, Angel's, Angel's going to get himself a tan. He keeps this up. <laughs> <laughs> Between the gem of Amara and this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of getting some serious sun exposure. Yes. No, he really is. He really <laughs> is. Um, you know, I don't know. So like for me, there isn't a whole lot to stake. It's mostly that kind of piddly stuff. So I guess we can probably move into research mode. So what are your questions? Because I didn't take any notes here at all. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I think I wrote a thesis. Right. But like, if that demon's blood cures vampirism, why didn't Angel and Buffy collect all those demons, drain their blood, and make a bunch of cure potions to turn vampires back into humans? Right. Like, open an apothecary, man. Sure. Like, <laughs> well, I'm not just... sure that a lot of a lot of vampires would would choose it. You know, I'm pretty well, sure actually none you... of them would. But I think that if yeah, it's something but... where you can, you know, where you can just like, you know, shoot them with a dart, and then yeah. they would, and then we'd be saving. But then you'd have all of these highly traumatized re-ensouled vampires feeling terrible Maybe about all the memories them, of the things like, that they've done i'm not sure that's that's kinder than dusting them well you get them right at the beginning get you know right when she's beginning. patrolling the sure. graveyard like, like when you're like, patrolling the graveyard waiting for one to rise and they haven't done anything yeah. bad yet just shoot them up exactly. sure sure i can yeah, see that just i can see that. i think that that could work yeah but <laughs> like oh uh, um so this absolutely drove me crazy. And like, I have been thinking about this question for days mm-hmm. and I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. So the oracles are supposed to be conduits to the powers that be. Right. Who are supposed to be on the side of good. Mm-hmm. But when Angel goes to them and tells them, you know, I mean, you know, the, this darkness is coming and Buffy's going to die and he's mm-hmm. worried because he loves her. Yeah. 
like they scoff at that and they're like love does not concern us and i'm going why in hell would they of all beings not care about love because where else does goodness live if not in love in sacrifice Oh, because see, it's the that's moment... not the fun side. No, that's not the fun side. But it's the moment that he says, uh, you know, I will trade myself. That's when she and then she says he is not a lower being, not because he loves, but because he's willing to sacrifice. What does she say? Every drop of happiness, including this love, you know, right. um, for the rest of his life. But doesn't he do that because of how much he loves? Yeah, but I don't think that's like, that's, that's not what impresses them. So like, even in that moment where she's talking about love, it's not his love that gets her attention. It's his sacrifice. Yeah. See, I just have serious problems with the theoretical framework of this universe. Yeah, not valuing <laughs> love as yes. an ultimate thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do. I do. Um, And I wrote a whole bunch about, you know, Buffy and Angel and why they can't be together and all this kind of stuff. But I went and watched the next episode of Buffy, mm -hmm. the one that comes after this. Yes. And she's walking through the graveyard with Willow, mm -hmm. telling her about seeing Angel in L.A. And she says, part of me believes that real love and passion have to go hand in hand with pain and fighting. Mm -hmm. And wow. you have that that flip reflection again, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can you have one without the other? Right. And if that is what binds them together, then my God, they're going to be miserable forever. Yeah. And it just kind of makes me really sad. Like that kind of tortured love story seemed a lot more romantic to me when I was younger than it does now. Yeah. No, it, it is a lot more romantic when you're younger. Yeah. Like <laughs> than I, after I just, a while. Yeah. I just want to see people happy in love. Like fight a demon, you know, get redemption, do the hard work. But then. I'd like to see some happiness. Right. But the thing is that if you are, if you are one of these extraordinary people, like I, I'm actually talking about this in an episode of uh, Still Pretty that's coming out very soon, probably before this episode comes out. So it's already out. Um, <laughs> talking about an end of days. And one of the things that I talk about is the essential loneliness of exceptionalism, that if you are an exceptional being, your, your default state is alone. You know, um, that nobody can understand you. Nobody can, can you know, fight side by side with you. Um, so Angel can fight side by side with Buffy, but he can't understand what it's like to be the Slayer. And Spike can fight side by side with Buffy, but he can't understand it either. The thing about Spike is that Spike knows he doesn't understand. Spike knows he's separate. And Angel, right. for Angel, I think that he, he knows that and understands that too, but he has got his own purpose that is separate from Buffy's. You know, Spike doesn't right. really have purpose. Spike is happy to be a sidekick. He's like, that's cool. I'm good. You know, whereas Riley was never happy being a sidekick, right? No. You know, not Spike at all. is happy being a sidekick. He's totally fine with that. He has no sense of his own purpose in, in anything, right? But Angel yeah. has his own purpose. Angel has his own exceptionalism. I would say that Spike is exceptional too, but in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And actually, maybe not. There's, there's things about Spike that are exceptional, but it's not this grand scheme and purpose thing you know yeah um when when there's exceptionalism in your life's work in the thing that you do then i think you're you're going to be alone because nobody else can really share that with you i mean even though buffy and angel are fighting a similar fight it's not the same thing you know right. 
Yeah. And maybe it is a matter of scale mm-hmm. in terms of, of, of that sort of thing. But you're, you're giving me a lot of weight for my secret happy heart Buffy and Faith. Yes. Shipping. Oh, yeah. Because no, Faith is the Faith, only one who can understand. Faith knows, right? She understands mm-hmm. and she can fight with Buffy and she can know what it's like to be the Slayer. And right. If they I would both might... just shift over on the Kinsey scale a little bit, everything would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. Well, I can, I can see my happy ending is flexible. Yes. <laughs> Your happy ending <laughs> is hetero flexible. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if only Buffy and Faith were. Right? Yeah. But the yeah. thought of that makes me very happy. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, yeah, I but a... Faith is the only one who can understand. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm telling and you. I like it. I'm I telling like you. It. <laughs> so I had a story question for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there a narrative term for this kind of emotional torment? Is there a narrative term for it? I would say most likely there is. Very likely the Greeks thought it up. I don't know what it is <laughs> off the top of my head. I don't have I don't have a, a chipperish, you know, narrative term for it. I'm gonna <laughs> need not you to chipperish. add that to the yeah. glossary. I'm keeping yeah. a list. Of the things we need to add to the glossary. I'm I'm absolutely yes. certain. I am certain that the Greeks have a word for it. We can probably okay. find it out there somewhere. So we'll we'll look that up and see if we can find it but yeah, yeah for this kind of absolute emotional torment that sounds like just right up the alley for the greeks that sounds okay, right up there because i'm really curious yeah. all right and now i have a completely devil's advocate idea yes all right so angel's vampirism is what makes him exceptional and dangerous yes right mm-hmm. to evildoers or to everyone around him if he becomes jealous. yes Yet in order to return to his heroic state and be able to save people again, he has to become a vampire again. Mm-hmm. So that choice, noble as it is, also carries the potential for Angelus to return to power. Right. So the argument could be made that Angel could also be protecting people if he chose to remain human. Mm-hmm. And would that not actually be more of a sacrifice because he would be sacrificing his purpose? To yes. finally defeat Angelus. True, but with if he does that, he defeats one bad guy. Whereas if he stays a vampire and maintains his power, he defeats hundreds. You know, yeah. so I think I think I agree the, with the you. overall grand scheme of things. He's coming out ahead. And on top of it, I mean, for storytelling purposes, that's a passive choice. Choosing to fight is an active choice. So there you go. Right. Well, and I don't like this theory at all. I was Mm -hmm. just, you know, because I have to look at everything. It's interesting. But it also sounds like one of those things that Angel, you know, while he's sitting on the couch with his beer belly saying, you know, I actually made the brave choice because I chose (laughs) to not (laughs) let that jealous out again. Well, and it, it is about choices, right? Everything mm-hmm. on this show comes down to oh, choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but ultimately, no matter what else he's facing, you know, whether it's torture or the apocalypse or having to say goodbye to Buffy, yeah. the truest battle is always going to be between him and his own darkness. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just really like that. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. 
Yep, that's all I got. What about you? What puts you in research mode? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm wasn't quite as as much in research mode as you were. I feel like after <laughs> after listening to all of your very deep thoughts, I'm like, Buffy started the episode wearing black. <laughs> oh, I noticed that too, though. <clears throat> yeah, so she opens up. She's there. She's she's wearing black. She's got her hair up, right? And then we have this really awkward off screen kind of ADR. Got a place where I can change after they fight and then the go to the right. So it makes me think that it's something that was kind of an afterthought that like maybe they had shot that scene. And then when they were down in the sewers, they're like, oh, she should be wearing white because he's in black and he's in the shadow and she's in white and she's climbing upward into the sun, you know. And so that's why they change. I don't know. But they have her hair down. And so it's it's this whole weird thing with like not only did she change her outfit, which was fine because she didn't get any demon blood on it. Like it, it seemed like it was fine. Right. You know. Right. And she put her hair down. You know, which is usually if you're getting serious, this is when you put your hair up when you're about to when Hell you know yeah. you're going to fight this is when you put it back in a ponytail and call it a day. Right. Um, so that seemed a little bit weird. But so we have her. But I mean, I kind of liked in that scene in the sewer the way that, you know, Angel was in in black and he was in darkness and she was wearing white and she was going up into the sunlight and she was rising up and he was staying down below. And it was this whole kind of thing, you know, about these this essential opposition that is in their relationship. And I thought that, that was pretty cool. But then after they have sex and they're together, the next outfit she wears is this red dress. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking, okay, so what is, is there symbolism in that red dress? It's a dress. It's, it's feminine. It's not made for fighting. It's, it's a more emotional, soft, feminine thing. Um, also, it's red. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Red is the color of blood. So is that a thing? Like, is that the reason why you know i mean and we have this whole thing like this is a universe angel is a universe where everything means something so like but i i didn't i didn't quite pick anything out for the the red dress or why she opened the day wearing black and so i feel like in the sewer all of a sudden they were like oh we can say something with the clothes and so they did that kind of like weird change and then for the rest of it i didn't really ca- did 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 it make sense to you did you see something there that i'm missing no, because I don't even know that I noticed she was wearing a white shirt. You are much more observant than I am. <laughs> but here's the thing that bugs me about the mm-hmm. red dress. Yes. It really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you have the color of blood. You have the color of passion. You have the color of anger, whatever. Mm-hmm. But on this show, the red dress belongs to Darla. <gasps> and it oh. is super significant later interesting so it really bothered me to see buffy in a red dress on angel like do i think huh that's interesting because i'm thinking like yeah yeah the red dress is darla right if you're blonde and you're in angel's life and you're in a red dress and you're in la your name is darla exactly (laughs) (laughs) you are a vampire and things are about to go really bad that's right (laughs) wow that is interesting yeah i don't know like the the red dress i just i i was trying to like find so and this is where we need noelle noelle Lacroix, uh my co-host over on still pretty on may 31st we're starting over still pretty from the beginning and noelle is amazing at at this this sort of analysis good yeah yeah it's so good so, I don't know. Yeah, um, the other wait. thing in my research mode I was confused by was this like soldiers of darkness thing. So 
So he killed the one demon, but because he didn't like super kill it with the crashing of the gem in his forehead, right? Um, it mm-hmm. regenerated and came back more powerfully and it also regenerated more. Is that what we're supposed to understand? That that now it's impossible to prevent these soldiers of darkness from bringing on the end of the world. So I guess that's why we have to turn back the clock. But it seems to me like what he could do... You know, if it's just about, like, not letting these guys overtake the world, is he could turn back the clock, bleed the thing a little, then kill it with the smashing in the forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Become human, boom, cake, and eating it too, right? You know, except that, of course, Angel can't serve his purpose, which is the whole thing here. That's what's so important is that he really is, you know, he's there's this, this thing where he's, like, choosing to save people and he's choosing to save Buffy, but it really is about him losing his purpose that his purpose is really more important you've convinced me of that but the thing with the demon okay so if we're god we've got to talk to noelle about this yes really Um, because like the jewel which first of all i want to know are they born like that (laughs) like with the ruby or is it like a ceremony is it like i want to know these things but the ruby's also red Mm mm-hmm don't know what the hell that's about right um but i want like all the the life force power or whatever is in like is is it like the demonic version of a teletubby like you've got this thing (laughs) well i now know what the title of this episode is let me write this down (laughs) demonic teletubbies i got it all right go (laughs) the angel calls it like the thousand eyes or something yes yes and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just kind of like, is the gem itself symbolic? This is the second time. Like, we've had two good episodes, and they both Both involve gemstones. Yeah, very powerful gemstones. And they involve Angel going into the sun. In the sunlight. Yeah. And making this big sacrifice. And making a big sacrifice in the end. Right. Because about purpose. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I don't understand the demonic Teletubbies. I really don't. But yeah, and we, <laughs> but that's we what they are now. We don't see them again. But okay, so the most important research question yes. about the demonic Teletubbies, and yes. I am blaming Noel for this because yes. we actually had this conversation <laughs> okay. last night. Believe it or not, do they or do they not remind you of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Okay, I never watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <gasps> no, I never watched it. Okay, the movie, the old movie with Vanilla Ice rapping Ice Ice Baby yeah. while the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles dance mm-hmm. is freaking amazing, and you have to watch it. <laughs> All right, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so earlier we were talking about the idea of, you know, this explains what happened, it doesn't explain why. And this idea that we are, we are in this universe where everything has meaning right? Where everything has a purpose, where everything that nothing happens in a random way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that, first of all, is that separate? Like the Angel universe and the Buffy universe are two separate places. Like the tone of Angel is completely different from the tone of Buffy. And for anybody who watched Pangs before they watched this episode and then goes back into Buffy, like when you hop back and forth and you're watching them chronologically one next to the other, you can see those differences are so stark. You know, Buffy almost seems like a different character in Angel than she is in Buffy. But of course, in Angel, it's Angel's POV. And his 
his POV is different. His experience of the world is different, you know, and her POV is, you know, the Buffy POV, it's younger. It's, it's not mm-hmm. as dark. It's not as, um, as, as, uh, jaded you know as as angel is so first question is um is the buffy verse over on the buffy side a universe where everything everything has meaning and do you think there's a difference in the way that the angel and buffy see see the universe that way i I do Mm -hmm. um and it's really funny going with what you just said because when buffy first showed up in this episode Mm -hmm. My first reaction was, she seems a lot older. She does seem a lot older. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. She seems a lot older yeah. in Angel's universe than she does in her own. Yeah. And so if I'm going back to this basic thesis of Buffy being a show about power and mm-hmm. strength and Angel mm-hmm. being a show about choices, right? then I think in Buffy... A lot of things just happen because they happen. Like, she just happened to be born the slayer right 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 it, yeah it, you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. then and so she fights it but it it is very reactionary mm-hmm. like here's a bad guy let's figure out how to kill it okay we killed it let's go to the mall right it, mm-hmm. but the purpose of that is not to be on this eternal quest it's right. to handle whatever current danger is in front of whatever's you in front of you at the moment right i exactly. don't think that in buffy we think about much that that bigger broader she it's it's a destiny that happened to her it's not a destiny she's choosing exactly you know and angel repeatedly is choosing this destiny yes and and they're starting from very different places Mm -hmm. you know angel is is coming to this with miles and miles of evil wreckage behind him yeah you know buffy's coming into hers as an innocent kid right and so, like, I think that those perspectives would have to be different and the ethos of those universes would have to be very, very different because of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do. Yeah, I think that. So if we're going to boil them down to questions, then Angel is about why and Buffy is about how. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, how do I kill this demon? Which we've heard her say a hundred times right Mm -hmm. versus angel why did this happen what does it mean what does it mean exactly and that there is a greater meaning in the universe and angel is much more philosophical i think both the character and the show uh than buffy both the character and the show um so i i find that really really interesting and this idea that in in angel everything means something Right. You know, nothing happens accidentally. Nothing just happens because that's just what happened. You know, these things happen because there's a reason and there's something happening and there's the powers that be on one side and there's the senior partners on the other side. And they're they're caught in a battle that is that is broader than what's just in front of them. It's just part of this of this battle. And he knows he has a part to play. But I think that the idea of of destiny and fate definitely I think are present in Buffy but the mm-hmm. idea of of having an active part to play in your own destiny and fate I think is a much bigger part of Angel does that make I sense? I think so too yeah, yeah. And, and especially the way that you've set up the conflict between the powers that be on one side mm-hmm. and the senior partners on the other but 
at the heart of that, you know, right in the middle of the eye of that storm is a world full of humans with free will. Yeah. And so it it all comes down to the choices that people make. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone from, um, you know, from Doyle to Cordelia to the lawyers at Wolfram and Hart to Angel. Yeah. It's it's not just here's this thing that happened. Let's go react to it. Mm-hmm. Everything is triggered by a choice, and everything is resolved by a choice. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. those choices leave you curled up on the ground sobbing. And yeah, and I think that that's what makes Angel so powerful as a show. And I think it's the reason too why a lot of people came from Buffy. And bounced off of Angel. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, I'm never going to make the argument that season one Angel is prime TV. Like, I'm never going to make the argument. There are a <laughs> lot of reasons why people bounced off of Angel, and they're really good ones, and they're, most of their names is Kate. Um, but... <laughs> But I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's problems and, and we take a while to kind of get on our feet and get a sense of what Angel is. But I think also that Angel is just a show that is doing different things and asking different questions from what Buffy is doing and asking, you know? And yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it is, it's, it's much, it's more mature, it's older, it's more philosophical. Um, it's, it's really interesting. The difference in these shows. Yeah, and and I think it's about you know paradigms really yeah. because like I could I could teach a class about qualitative research methodology mm-hmm. and it's very difficult for a lot of graduate students to wrap their head around a theoretical mm-hmm. framework right like the actual mm-hmm. purpose what does it actually do why do you need it why mm-hmm. does it matter how does it work you could so beautifully demonstrate that by comparing the spirit of these two shows mm-hmm. because the essential paradigms are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really love that idea. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's very, very cool. All right. So I think we're done. Are you ready to brood? I'm ready to brood. What's our one to brood on Dr. Jones. So if I stop crying long enough to brood <laughs> on this episode, I'd say <laughs> it's a watcher because it's gorgeous and it mm-hmm. hurts until the pain is beautiful kind of way. Yeah. We see Angel sacrifice again in his effort to protect Buffy in the mm-hmm. world. And we also see Buffy's understanding of that sacrifice. Yeah. We see the depth of their love for each other and we see these characters we love in anguish as they choose their, you know, their fighting their destiny their heroism Mm -hmm. instead of choosing their own happy endings and they show us once again that they're both you know true heroes yeah um and we get some comic relief from cordelia which is always great and we get the magic of angels swooning over chocolate yes (laughs) if if we had canon that room with a view was shown out of order and actually came after I Will Remember You, then we know exactly how Angel got peanut butter on his bed sheets. See, now that makes sense. Right? Now that makes sense. But he always has it peanut butter. There's always peanut sense. butter. There's peanut butter and blood. That's all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Something go- something's going on with the peanut butter. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. So when the oracles turn back time, mm-hmm. it flipped this episode out of order. Yeah. And Room With A View should have come next and it would have made perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so what's your favorite part? Oh, Buffy and Angel in his kitchen, mm-hmm. their hands on the stove with fire between them, kissing and sex on the dining room table, followed by chocolate and peanut butter in bed. Like, yep, 
Sounds about right. <laughs> and I know it won't last, but I love it anyway. It is really It's wonderful. like snowflakes. Yeah. Yeah, right. They won't last, but they're beautiful while they're there. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what about um, you? What was your God, favorite God, you know what? Part? As awful as it was, but it's so powerful and it, and it speaks to what powerful writing will do and active choices and like everything. It's, God, when he comes back and tells her that you know, I've turned it around, I've reversed it. And he tells her the truth in this moment. Like, even though he could have protected her, like, he could have just pretended like nothing was wrong. And then everything would turn and she would never have felt that devastation. But he tells her, you know, even though he could have saved her that pain, he tells her because he respects her. He tells Mm -hmm. her, I think, because he he feels it and he needs to share that moment with her. It is oh, yeah. honest. He's not he's not being patriarchal with her. He's not protecting her. At the same time, you know, he is making this kind of unilateral choice for both of them, you know? Right. Um which is a really difficult thing I think for him to do, but he but you know, in a relationship, one person does get to make that choice. You know? I right. mean, sometimes one person has to make that choice, you know? Um and so I just it's so powerful. It's so like uh, horrible and sad and tragic, but beautifully done. And then, and then close your eyes comes in the kicking oh. me when I'm down, like, you know, <laughs> but it's so powerful and it's so wonderfully done that I, I just think it's, it's beautiful. I did, I did too. And, and you see Buffy fighting so mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. You know, like, I will not forget. I will, I will remember not forget. this. Like, I will never forget. Oh, um, God. Uh, like, she can outpower what's about to happen. Right. You know, because right. that's what she does. Mm-hmm. And, and then to see her, you know, with that wiped from her memory in the next yeah. moment is just so. Oh, God. And to see uh, Angel's face. He's in the middle of holding her while she's saying that. And how in that moment he's not already crying. Like, I don't even know, you know, know. but it's, it it looks, I mean, but even with that, it's a quiet pain, but you can just see it. But he's so used to being in quiet pain. It's kind of his default setting. Yeah. And then he says, forget. And I'm just, oh, God, God, I I know. It's so beautiful. God, I hope the next episode's funny. Okay, well, we'll talk about that when we get there. (laughs) (laughs) So, we love this episode. We want to hear from you. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Danrich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Absolutely. This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Emily P. Emily supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as a reward gets to produce whatever show she wants. Thank you, Emily. And thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all of this possible. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish and find out how you too can become a still dead producer. We will be back next time with episodes 9 and 10 of Angel Season 1, Hero and Parting Gifts, both of which are watchers. So it's going to be a busy week, y'all. Yes, it absolutely is. Until then, we're good for exactly two things, international superstardom or helping a vampire with a soul rid the world of evil. <laughs>